time for the Plank Show. Let's go to work, bro! It's time for the Plank Show with Sooner sideline reporter Chris Plank. Make your voice heard on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Just don't do it while you're driving. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for the Plank Show with Josh Helmer and Sooner Sideline Reporter Chris Plank. All right, here we go on uh, on a Tuesday. Re- real quick before we bring in KJ Kindler, Josh Helmer, do you think this becomes a day when we, uh, during this show, get breaking news that's going to enrage the nation, the Sooner Nation, that is? It's a good-looking question. I think we might. I think Caleb Williams is off to USC today. I'll just say that. And you think it's happening this morning? I think it's happening early. But, it is, again, on the West Coast, it is 7.04 a.m., so... Yeah, good times ahead. Uh, speaking of good times, we kick off our Tuesday show. KJ Kindler, one and zero, one and zero, one and zero. Congratulations, <laughs> thank you. Okay, so uh, question: We kind of we we uh, debriefed about this before the show. Take me through the process, and I know it's only two hours, but it's it's significant for some. When do you find out that there's a chance the meat could be moved? And how pumped are you whenever you realize it's going to be on the big ESPN? Yeah, I mean, we I think we were notified on Wednesday um, by the Big 12 Conference because ESPN goes through the conference and um, asked us if we would be open to doing that. And you just you, – you go through the other coach. Everyone agrees to the move, and then you do it. And hopefully we were able to communicate it to enough people that no one showed up at 1145. <laughs> but if you did, please email me personally. Really? Yeah, I really want to know. I want to know if you if you didn't get the message or you missed out on on the event because of it because certainly that's never our intention, but to be on the main network is is a pretty big deal for a women's gymnastics. So, it's it's definitely an opportunity we would never p- pass up. Completely understand. Completely understand. Now, does it change anything for you? I know you're a planner and you're you're incredibly well organized and well scheduled. It's only two hours, but what does it adjust for you guys as a team? We were ecstatic because oh, that's awesome. because when you have a early meet like that, eleven forty five, that means the athletes are coming to the arena at eight forty five a.m. Um, I I personally am not a, a lover of that t- early <laughs> time. And so for them to be able to come at 1045 is a big difference for them, you know, in terms of their rest, their preparation, things like that, not feeling rushed. You know, all those things can contribute to how you perform. What was the energy like? Were you happy with it? I know it can always get better, um, but from a team and from a fan perspective, obviously, we want that place packed this program deserves it, but how'd you feel about Saturday or Sunday? Excuse yeah, me. we had about 4,000 people there, definitely a couple thousand short of what I'd like to see on a regular basis. You know, we're looking for 6,500 really and above. Um, you know, that's what our counterparts are putting in the stands. So we definitely are 
are aiming toward that. I think, um, you know, we battled a lot of things on Sunday in terms of a lot of our staff is ill, um, event managers, things like that. So we were really working hard to make the production as it was planned to go. But there were a lot of there were a lot of substitute teachers. (laughs) On uh, Sunday, and they did an amazing job, but, you know, a lot of people being thrown into something for the first time, it's hard to figure it out on the fly. But um, I'll tell you, you know, we're we're obviously hoping that everyone had an amazing time. Um, Alabama's a great program, and I thought this was going to be a meet where we would just squeak it out by tenths, so I, I was pretty pleased with the team performance for sure. Hopefully they put on a good show for everybody and they can see the potential there. What's your number? 197.4. Yeah. Do you have a number that you have set in your mind every time you go in that you want? I know we've talked about this Well, before. 198 is exceptional. Right. So if you get a 198, that's like you nailed it, okay? And if you are – especially first meet of the year above 197, it's a good benchmark um, score. And five teams last week got a 197. So you can kind of see that you're – and we kind of slated ourselves right in that third spot again after the preseason ranking. So we're kind of right where we were before we started, which I think is good. You know, you're you're meeting the expectation, but, of course, our our goal is always to – Exceed it. So um, no rest for the weary, right? We're going to turn around, and after the match uh, meet against Alabama, let's see, 14th, that's fr- Friday. Yeah. You're going out to Utah for a showdown with the Utes in Salt Lake City. Another ESPN broadcast, too, ESPN2. Yeah, absolutely. We leave Thursday. The meet's Friday evening. Um, Utah has the highest attendance in the country, 15,000. It's a sellout already. Wow. And so we're really excited about that. It's a great opportunity. We have not competed at the University of Utah um, only one time in the last 16 years, and it was an NCAA regional where we were assigned to that location. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had a regular season meet against them in 16 years wow. uh, where we went there. They came to us last year for the first time, and now we're on our way there. We don't get you back home till the 30th. I know. How about that? Yeah. Do you worry about altitude at all? I mean, is it different training, or is it – no. There's nothing you can really do, right? There's nothing. Because you go we to Denver do. a lot as well, so they're used to it. Yeah, Denver is, is definitely worse, right? worse. Yeah. yeah. So um and the good news is you get to do floor. You don't do floor last when you go to an away meet, you do beam last. And so you're do it a, doing it a little bit earlier when they have a little more stamina. You know, it's not so far into the night. But but yeah, it's gonna be a, a great event. Utah is ranked fourth right behind us wow. and um brought in a score basically right behind ours. So um this is a team that's gonna be very challenging. And of course they're at home where they're super comfortable. Their best event is Beam, so you can never plan on Utah making a mistake on Beam. <laughs> so you know they're <laughs> gonna hit. Um so that's that's the challenge. The vault was incredible. Back to back tens, back to back perfect tens, and I don't know. Did you expect that? Is that what? No, you, I didn't think so. That's insane. Did I expect that? <laughs> Not back to back tens, but just for the vault to be the strength. Yeah, I mean, just team. to even get a ten in your first right. competition is is unexpected, um, but they're they're so good on that event, and it's all about the landing. And if they just place it just right. They should get a 10. You know, they should be between a 995 and a 10. That's how good they are. But to place it just right in the first competition of the year, you know, that's unusual. Usually you see um, people overdoing it, maybe mm-hmm. so much adrenaline, they kind of lose control of it a little bit. So that was really great to see. And we needed it 
because uh, vault is an area that we we really have to push forward on. Jordan Bowers and uh, let's see who else was on the all around. Audrey Davis on the all around overall, kind of just an assessment of their performance. Yeah, I mean Jordan, I I she was in a real tough spot. <laughs> She was right behind those two tens, about to do her first routine of her collegiate career. I can't imagine what was going through her mind at the other end. Like, am I supposed to get a ten? I mean, they, <laughs> they that's just had back to back tens. Yes, that's probably what I would be thinking. I have to get a ten because they just got tens, and I'm after them. Like, that's my job. And so, probably, you know, the moment got the best of her there. And the thing that was so great is, as a freshman, she kind of. She was able to let that go and absolutely laced the next three events. So this is going to be a really strong athlete for us. I'm super excited. I'm bummed that that was her first routine, but she probably learned a lot. And that's more that's that's more beneficial than her being perfect on her first outing. And then Audrey, really phenomenal. Um, and she was a little... Um, she kind of overdid it on Sunday. Sometimes when you know you're in the all-around or you're over-focusing on a skill, you might over-warm up. I know that sounds weird, but <laughs> she probably did more tumbling passes in the warm-up than she does in a workout, which is never a good thing. You know, you're you're depleting your energy right. every time you do it. So um, we're definitely going to be more efficient next meet. That's what we've learned. But she was really great, like really proud of her. When you when you look back and you said we always talk, oh, look at the look at the tape, look at this. You look at everything, right? As you just brought up from yeah. the warm-ups to is that going back and rewatching everything? Is that talking to your coaches? Your how, how do you really kind of gather that intel and decide, okay, we need to change this? My brain, I'm making mental notes from the get-go. <laughs> and so, you know, as I'm making observations, I'm really kind of making mental notes of all of those things like demeanors and decisions and uh, things that they decided to do because right. some of it is in their power, you know, when we're warming up and things like that. Um, they weren't as efficient as they could have been on floor for sure. Um, vault, you could see that we were just maybe a little off in a couple areas. Uh, bar warm up was crazy town. <laughs> That's what I called it. Mm. But we are awesome on bars. A lot of spray. <laughs> yeah, a lot of spray. We're awesome on bars, but they were warming up like. Like they were were a little nervous, and I expect all that at the first meet, no doubt about it. Um, but you know, we got to let some of that go. When you hit a hostile environment, like you will on Friday, is it is it something that, and again, this isn't, an, but that they don't get to typically see, so it energizes them again. We're like, hey, listen, calm down. It's not like. Well, I don't know. Are you having to deal with people like, you suck? What are you doing? I mean, is there some harassing or is it more like our crowd is? Because our crowd doesn't talk a lot of trash to the opposition. No, they don't. But I believe I like the Utah student section puts up newspapers at the end of the uh, beam. Gotcha. Like they're reading new- You know, they like they do in basketball <laughs> right, games for exactly. free throws. Like there's going to be some distractions, no doubt about it. Maybe some that we've never seen before because – Salt Lake is really um, all about gymnastics, let me tell you. So it's going to be fun. And and uh, we have some teammates uh, on the other team that are teammates with our, our kids. So it, I always think it's a friendly environment in gymnastics. I think gymnastics fans in general appreciate the sport. But, you know, if they're, they'll probably pull a couple punches. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, – anything – so I saw this on Twitter, and I meant to ask, but – 
someone said, oh, I missed the drama after the week one of, of gymnastics and how controversial it can be on Twitter and on social media. So is there like an underground fight between scores and things of that nature that takes place on social oh, media? Yeah. Oh, it's not underground we at all, We call it, is it the gym turnet. The gym turnet. <laughs> Okay. You, you might want to get on it. All but right. <laughs> I personally never go on it, and I ask people to never communicate anything they read. It could only drive. That's me how I mad. used to. That's a, that's how I used to be with message boards. Until one time, someone said, "Hey, did you see this?" And I looked. I was like, "You saw." And all of a sudden, I'm like reading everything. So yeah, probably a good call on your front. Oh, interesting. Gym yeah. turnet. The gym turnet. And I'll tell you, you know, the fans of other teams. That wasn't a 10. You know, th- that's how ah, it goes. That's okay. how it goes. Did you see their leotard? Who <laughs> who designed that leotard? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, And it can get ugly. It can get ugly and personal. So that's why I, I stay away from it. I ask my athletes to stay away from it, but I'm pretty sure they don't. Oh, they can't, right? It's impossible. No, there's things posted all over our locker room that they have printed out that come from the gym turnout. Is it mostly Twitter or is it? Oh, gosh, I... And is it Instagram? I, I guess Instagram is more pictures. So I think it's more Twitter, but huh. um, they'll put I, on our fridge. It says, uh, "This is the year we can expect Oklahoma will will have no chance to win the championship." Oh, okay. Th- those things are posted all over our locker room. Gotcha. So it's motivating, you know, if they use it in the right way. Right now, now they they use it to get too fired up, like you brought up with some people in their warm ups. Then the next thing you know, it throws <laughs> off everything. All right, we talked about Utah. We're going to have a chance to talk about Tucson. But, Coach, before I let you go, we need fans. And we got some time now. We got the 30th is the next home meet. Uh, I just saw who it was. Is it Denver on it's the 30th? Denver. Okay. And Denver, you know, just edged us out for the Big 12 championship last year. They did go 197 this week. They're ranked fifth. So they moved from the 10 spot to the 5 spot in one week. They're good. They're good. A lot of people – Maybe don't associate Denver with great athletics, sure. but their gymnastics team's incredible. And as you talked about, you had some substitute teachers this past weekend, but getting some people back for this yes, week, yes. right? So that's good as you go out to Utah. And then that looks fascinating. Stanford and Arizona out in Tucson. That's yeah. going to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, really fun. So Soonersports.com slash tickets at Soonersports.com slash tickets next home meet January 30th. And good luck in Utah. Good luck Thank in you. Salt Lake City. Thank you. It's KJ Kindler. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and be all over the national championship game from last night as Georgia, for the first time in 40 years, wins the national title. We'll tell you what it means next. All right. Um, Plank Show rolls into segment two of our one right here on the ref. And... Uh, as always, our one is brought to you by Van Hoos Fence. Their perfection is your protection. Call Mark and Tessa today at Van Hoos Fence. That phone number, 405-735-1167. That's 405-735-1167. Or log on to vhfence.com. Um, okay, do, do you want to start with a national championship game from last night, or do we want to, as the home of Sooner fans, filter and kind of siphon through all of the, the Caleb rumors as they hit last night and into today? Let's talk some Caleb Williams. Okay. So, because we'll, we'll talk national championship all morning long. Listen, and, and I've got all the highlights from last night. Confession time. Confession time. Um, last night, last night I had – I was dead – I mean, I after the Raiders clinched the playoffs and I wrapped up my 10P to 1A show, Josh, I 
I couldn't sleep on Sunday night. So I uh, I probably sat up till about 3 a.m. and rewatched the second half of the Raiders game Sunday night into Monday morning. I spared most of you that conversation on Monday because, I mean, come on. We've we got a lot going on in the Sooner Nation right now and in college football. So last night I was sitting there and my wife was actually watching part of the game with me, which is a shock unto itself, asking all these just terrible questions. It's like, well, why are they marking the ball all the way back there? I'm like, because that's why that's where he was tackled. So wait, do they have to give the football back? And I'm looking, I'm like, you've been a you've been a season ticket holder at Oklahoma for what, what, what seven years since we moved down here? You and, know this. What? What do you? She's like, well, I just guess I don't understand. It was whenever Bryce Young got sacked in the red zone, remember, and I think they lost like six or seven yards. She goes, so do they have to start from there? Is that where they have to start from? And I was like, what? Start from? Anyway, we were having a good time. And halftime, it was a rap, fairly rapid moving first half. Now, TV did everything they could to drag that bad boy out. I was like, whoa. We're moving a little time out. We're moving a little bit too quickly here. Let's throw in another commercial. And I understand it. they pay a lot of money to get there. But um so at halftime, dude, I was dead. I fell asleep at halftime. Out, like snoring, dogs next to me. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding, Josh. I woke up right at the start of the third quarter, refreshed and ready to go. So now I'm gonna be honest. I spent a lot of time on post game. Not a lot of post game for you, boy. But there could not have been a more necessary nap time at halftime for me. And I think part of the problem was I watched a lot of the film room broadcasts in the first half. You know, whenever people talk about, man, I'd love to be in the film room with all, not me. I used to think that, but holy smokes. If that's what a film room is like with coaches, I mean, do they have do they have coffee in those things to keep you awake? It was A and M, right? It was all A and M. I thought. Here's what I thought. Just quick side, and then we'll get to this. Lincoln Riley has put out his little peace sign thing, which I guess is his new um, eyeball. eyeball emoji. So a lot of people are thinking that means Caleb Williams is about to announce he's going to USC. We'll get to or com- Mario or Mario Williams or, or both. But I'll tell you what, Josh, I um. The film room has was so right. They had it right. And I don't know why they had to go and mess it up. Put they put they Dusty was great, but Dusty didn't get to do anything. He interviewed coaches, and that was it. Unless they did something later and I flipped away from it. But I watched it because I knew Dusty was gonna be there. I'm like, it's my boy, I want to watch it. And he crushed it. He's doing these interviews. Then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, dude, this is going to be great. You're going to have Dusty in there with the clicker. He's going to be able to rewind. The dude knows football. You got Jimbo Fisher. But it wasn't. It was Jimbo Fisher and Damon Craig and the defensive coordinator. And the, and they're just like, yeah, you know, you got to do this. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Yeah. I'm like, that's where, as someone who is always wanting to learn more about X's and O's, that's where I learn a lot. I learned that I can't watch that without falling asleep. It was why do they try to fix things that aren't broke? The film room was perfect. It was perfect. Get your four coaches, let Dusty run the thing or Lukes or whomever, and go. 
But no, it's like, let's have A&M do the whole thing. Yeah, that'll be great. No, it wasn't. The only great thing about it was when they did the interviews. Ugh. You want different personalities, too. Thank you. You don't want it to be monopolized by just the Texas A&M coaching staff. Unless, guess what? The Texas A&M coaching staff has, again, you know, five, six great personalities. Then yeah. all of a sudden, okay, well, this is awesome. Well, let me go ahead and ruin it for you. Uh, the coaching staff of Texas A&M does not have five or six Was great personalities. Was not the case. I got you. So I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later like on. Like Gundy and Patterson, we were talking about that yesterday. was fantastic. There was one thing, though, that Jimbo Fisher did say. He's like, you got to throw deep on, on Alabama if you want to beat them. And it's kind of funny because that ended up opening that game up for Georgia. <laughs> Uh, big play in really? the first half that, and the that's, second half. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is offensively it was not going well no. for Georgia until they hit that one deep ball. And then, of course, uh, Stetson Bennett, the, the big touchdown. So, he, here we go. I, I know that everyone has a source and everyone had someone that talked to them. And I saw what Sam put out there last night. And I, I mean, again, I – like I said, I don't think that anyone would just make something up for attention, nor would I ever claim anyone did that. And I know that you have dudes like our man Parker Thune and uh, Brand Drum, Joey Helmer over at OU Inside. If I'm leaving anyone out, I'm sorry. I know you have guys like Carrie and Josh and Eddie who are working it over at Sooner Scoop. I know that you know from the, the outsiders to the insiders to the I don't know the athletics to the Tulsa Worlds, the Oklahomans, you have a lot of people that are trying to get a sense one way or the other on what Caleb Williams is going to do or when a decision is going to be made. And I just – there is too much smoke for there not to be some fire out of Southern California right now. And I know I never am ever in my life going to be in – I told you so kind of a guy. But in this case, we warned you not to buy this. We're mad at Lincoln Riley and we're not we don't we aren't happy with the way that he handled things. They might have been, but I think the Caleb Williams camp was really smart about reading the room and knowing what would get OU fans riled up and maybe throw them off a scent. What was the great Brian Kelly quote that he had? The great Brian Kelly quote whenever it came to a coaching search was well, it's, it's never the team that they're talking about a guy going to. <laughs> He's like, that's – and what suddenly became the big conversation about Caleb Williams? Georgia. Yep. Bright Georgia. Shiny object. Right. And so while we're all focusing on that, meanwhile, USC is still right there with everything that Caleb Williams wanted in a college destination – which appeared to be Lincoln Riley. So I, I, I hate that in a lot of ways maybe we got played. But I also – dude didn't have to play in the bowl game, right? He didn't have to. Um, I know we all wanted that magical I'm coming back kind of a moment, but you know it did kind of put a little hint of a shadow on the Alamo Bowl whenever it was uh, – a they and them and not a we and an us verbiage from that. So I feel like either today or tomorrow, I feel like it's going to be a 
I feel like it's going to be another very frustrating day for Oklahoma fans. And now I'm preparing you for this because I'm already seeing it. There's, there's going to be a lot of doom and gloom for the short-term future of Oklahoma, right? And you're already seeing it. I've got a column pulled up that someone tweeted at me this morning from Stuart Mandel about how, oh, it's a year for a step back for the Big 12 and maybe even a bigger step back for Oklahoma. Okay. And that's going to be the whole offseason. Sure. There will be a lot of that. Which, by the way, Stuart Mandel says big drop-off for Oklahoma has him at 25th in his way-too-early preseason top 25. Meanwhile, if you get mad about these kind of things, the way-too-early ESPN top 25 has him at, at 17. Now, this is why I would mind remind you that Michigan went to the playoffs this year and weren't in anyone's top 25, so I don't get too carried away with them. Never do. They're great for us to talk about and get mad about. That's what they're here for. But I, I'm just – you're going to deal with it all off season because no one sees and takes the time to come understand the inner workings of what's going on here. And, and, and it's the fight that I fought with na- on my national shows that I do, and that's not trying to, like, humble brag or anything, but it's, oh, gosh, you lost Lincoln Riley. you got to go get a defensive coordinator. Nobody gets it. Nobody gets it. And that's fine. Let them, let them talk their talk. But – This is going to be another level, I think, of angst because it brings in a a whole other side of, well, look, Oklahoma can't keep anyone around and everyone's leaving and they're all gone. So just if you mentally prepare yourself, maybe take a few days off Twitter, maybe don't listen to the Paul Feinbaums of the world, you're going to be a little bit better off with things. If you pause, deep breath, and trust that, Dude, they got the right guy. They got our guy. They got Brent Venables to come in and take this thing over. And Brent Brent Venables didn't just come in and say, yeah, it's my way and here's what we're going to do. No, he came in and brought people that show you that even though he's a first-time head coach, he gets what the infrastructure needs to look like. You know you're in scary territory when Paul Feinbaum might actually be one of the few voices out there that is sort of – Hey, I think it's going to be okay for Oh, Oklahoma. is he? Okay, okay. My bad, my bad. I just noticed this morning he, he threw out, which I thought was a great idea for the show. Hey, now that the 40-year curse is over for Georgia, who's next? And he didn't include Oklahoma on that list. But I guess Oklahoma's been playing for national championships for the better part of the last so, 20 years. Well, let's hit that list at some point. I, I wonder who all – Here, you want to do it right now real yeah, quick just before – Okay, I had it pulled up here for the show. But the uh, – the list was now that the forty now that the nineteen eighty joke is officially put to bed, who will be the next to break their national title drought? USC, Miami, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. Yeah, Oklahoma has to be on that list. Twenty one years. Yeah, because uh, USC's is oh four, Miami's oh one. I don't know, but it, it, anyway, I just I'm. I saw that. I thought, oh, gosh, people are going to get triggered by that, too. <laughs> yes. And really, we should have probably should have known that as soon as this happened, uh, there was a realistic possibility this is where we were going to end up. Yes. I think, I think Oklahoma um, chose, chose the right guy um, to come in here and be the head guy. Um, and and we'll, see, we'll see how, how Oklahoma does and how I, how I decide. Yeah, whenever it wasn't a we are, you know, I, 
we're pumped to see him here. We're fired up. This is going to be great. When none of that was brought up, I think that's that moment where you're like, oh, okay. That's how this is going to go. I think it adds to it that it's going to be reportedly USC as well. I think that adds another layer to it. And that Mario Williams is going with. Yeah. Hopefully that's the only defection in terms of the skill position, guys. You hope. Maybe you'll see a few on the defense, but you never know. All right, it's 9.35 a.m. There is what we know where we are in the Caleb Williams saga, right? Was that a real picture of him in a golf cart wearing like a USC jersey last night or – I, Did you I see that? No, I didn't see that. Somehow that got tweeted. I spent way too much time on Twitter last night, that's for sure. But we'll get into it all coming up on a busy Tuesday edition of the Plank Show. How was uh, the 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 Josh Helmer show seemed pretty busy that segment? Is everyone okay? Is it just a little angst? Everybody's okay. I am supposed to tell you though. It was a bad week for Alabama. In addition to Oklahoma women's gymnastics, which we opened the show talking with head women's gymnastics coach K.J. Kindler. Go ahead. In addition to our Sooners beating Alabama in women's gym. That's right. The Missouri Tigers in men's basketball upset Bama. Oh, that's right. The Georgia women's basketball team beat the Crimson Tide. And then, of course, in the national championship, Georgia Beat the Crimson Tide again. So, wow. not a good week of athletics for. I mean, Bama Tom's got to be. He's got to be in a bad is he way. Okay, we got to check on him. Uh, anyway, I know we've got a lot to get to from the national championship game last night, and I, I don't want our show to be all about just waiting for Caleb Williams to announce that he's going to USC or Mario Williams. I just I don't want to do that because there's too much. It's too much good, man. There's too much positives. I I was laughing. Someone's headline was reason for hope for Oklahoma in 2022. And I'm like, what? what, what? Listen, I, I know that you guys – but I like Lincoln. I thought he was a good, really good head coach. I like it. When I see the pictures of them in a suite and all those dudes that were just here like three months ago, you're like, what? Uh. What are these guys doing? Right? They're still but guys, let the rest of the country say what they want to say. Got the dude, man. They got the guy. And if you don't if you're one of those that says, well, I just don't know. He hasn't been a head coach. Okay. That's fine. You wait. You wait. Everything that is happening from an infrastructure perspective fires me up beyond belief. I mean, you guys, I it's not, well, I'm not going to tell you what I knew. It's not one of those types of things. It's just you can see it with your own eyes. Follow the hires. Look who's coming in here. Look how Josie has empowered this man to go out and get the people he wants. It's exciting times. Which, speaking of hires. Go ahead. There was another report this morning from 247 Sports' Chris Hummer. Oklahoma expected to add Alabama Corners coach Jay Valai. In the same role. That had previously been reported by on three's Matt Zenitz. So it's been out there. It's been pretty known <laughs> for a little while. 
But, uh, again, that's another report that Jay Valai, mm. now that the national championship game has been done so done, uh, probably going to be announced that he's coming to Oklahoma shortly. So that would mean that we're set, right? The coaching staff, for the most part, is set. Ted Roof, linebackers, D.C., the defensive tackles coach, Todd, I keep want to say Todd Bowles. Uh, but Todd Bates. Thank you. Even though Todd Bowles would be kind of cool to coach with Todd Bates. Um, you add Valai and Brandon Hall. Brandon Hall, who's coming in. Chavis, who is on board. There's five for the defense, right? Yes. And then Jeff Levy is going to be the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Joe John Finley, tight ends. DeMarco Murray, running backs. Beanbo O'Line. I guess maybe I was wrong. Maybe Kale Gundy is going to coach wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So there you go. There's your 10. Let's go win some football games. Dylan Gabriel, come on down. Compete with, and I guess, who was it that came? I guess it is a Chubba. I guess it is Chubba Purdy. Chubba Purdy? Yeah. Maybe Chubba Purdy from Florida State. Maybe Nick Ewers is a little bit further along than we think. Maybe Ralph Rucker has made an incredible improvement. Maybe Micah Bowen's just waiting for the opportunity. Suddenly you got a little depth in there. Let's go. Um, oh, look, I... Hang in there, True Sooner. Looky, we needed to check on Bama Tom, and he checked in with us. Bama Tom, man, what a run for this team. How you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, congratulations first. Congratulations to Georgia. They totally earned it. No excuses. And I am really happy this overachieving team. We beat LSU, beat Tennessee, hung on to beat Auburn, beat Cincinnati, beat Georgia in the SEC game, and then had a rematch. I, I don't have anything to complain about. I'm happy. Oh, I, I'm not happy that we lost. Right. I mean, I mean, uh, this is an overachieving bunch, and uh, Saban even had to change his coaching this year to kind of uh, nurture or coddle. I don't know uh, which, but uh, I'm happy that those, those kids played as hard as they could play, and the way this game ended up is what I thought the SEC game would be. But Bama played over their heads and won that game, and then they had the Bama's defense. We held with them the entire game, and my blame on the game, if there's any blame, is on Bama's offense. We just weren't dominating this year in any one sphere, and but the the kids they played their hearts out, and Georgia totally earned it and deserves it, and uh, just rebuild and go back to it um you know you guys are gonna but be I'm doing fine. okay Good. I got, I got, right. the, got the Packers to root for and I appreciate your show and appreciate all your callers and God bless all you guys we'll talk to you soon see Bama Bye -bye. Tom I like Bama Tom a lot I think Bama Tom is uh getting up there as one of my faves um that's an well, interesting and, note you know go Packers too by the way I'm rooting for the Packers can we say too. about Alabama that they were ahead of schedule in a sense I'm listening you got a freshman quarterback that wins the Heisman Trophy. A, a, a sophomore left outside linebacker who might be – or a rush, edge rusher. I mean, it's hard to say that about Alabama because, look, they've won so many of these over the last decade plus. But in some ways they, they were a little bit ahead of schedule. And now I think – I don't think – don't think anybody's going to pick against Alabama next season. They're the number one seed. They're the number one overall team heading into 2022. 
By the way, I and they get to play Texas. I I like how my my personal favorite thing is Will Will Anderson was really really good last night, but he makes two tackles on like the first two series, and suddenly it's gosh, can't believe that people left him off their Heisman ballot. I can. Did you watch Kenny Pickett this year? Did you see a dude that was worthy of being on the Heisman? Did you watch Bryce Young throughout the season? Did you follow what Kenneth Walker did? A guy makes two plays. And listen, he's a stud. He's on my Heisman ballot. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, how dare you leave him out? Well, there's probably about 50 other players, too, that made two tackles in two series. But I was very impressed in watching these two teams go at it. Does that make sense? In other words... I watched those two defenses, and in my mind, I was like, Oklahoma's going to be playing that kind of defense. And they had, listen, because there's no choice, you have to. That's the level right there. What we watched last night, that's what you've got to get to. And in everything that Brent Venables is doing, that's a level Oklahoma's getting to. And you really don't have a choice in at least the year or two you have left. In the Big 12, with the way Baylor and Oklahoma State are playing defense. Now, I know OSU's got to replace Jim Knowles, but you can't you can't get away with not having a hard-hitting, tough-nosed defense. And you saw it from Georgia in that second half last night. That whole game last night. What am I talking about? It was a I, – I saw a bunch of people. I think Gabe tweeted this. It was like watching an NFL game. It really was. It was yeah. like you were watching an NFL game last night. Well – And you – Kind of word. I mean, <laughs> I think both of those guys are played in the league. Of course, the injury concerns that Alabama had with their wide receivers was a big, big factor. But man, those Georgia defensive backs can cover, can't they? I mean, there's just Bryce Young's making great throws that got dropped at times, and there's just not a lot of windows to throw the football to. No, and if you're throwing it in a window, it's got to be a tight window. <laughs> You're not getting much space. All right, quick break. We'll get back to the phones. 329-9000-405-329-9000. If you're on hold, hang in there. We'll get to you next. All right, uh, welcome back into the Plank Show. Look at you rolling a little incubus this morning. Nice. Uh, You want to fit True sooner in? We got some time here, right? Let's do just that. Good morning, True. What is on your mind? Is uh, Dr. Helmer and Dr. Plank in today? Yes, let's go. Yeah, but you're going to have to go to the waiting room for just a little bit. Then we'll get you in here. (laughs) I, uh, you know, when you, when you get divorced and you and you get a better wife, you know, you still can be angry about the way you were jerked around. Sure. Uh, you know, and it just takes time to get through that. And, and you know, the the people that are telling us it's all okay, it's all legal, what they're doing is legal. It's still yeah, sucks. it's legal. <laughs> it's legal, but it doesn't feel right. For, you, you know, I, we're not us guys that are in our fifties aren't used to college football being such a the wild west. You know, and I think. You know, we're all taught when we're young, We, from the time we play Little League to the time we play junior high to high school, everything, we're taught that, you know, those are your teammates and you don't leave them behind. And I think that's that's where I'm seeing a lot of this. But it, it does feel very calculated. And I'm not saying that this whole thing was calculated, but but I can, I can picture Lincoln sitting in a room the week before the OSU game, two weeks before the OSU game, during the Baylor game, whatever, and telling Caleb, hey, this is how we got to handle this. This is how I'm going to do it. And 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 Caleb going, well, I don't want to be the bad guy with my teammates. And we Lincoln got going, you. This is okay. yeah. We're right. We got you. And this whole thing being calculated. And that's and this thing mirrors 
the KD deal, if he goes to USC, this thing mirrors because the one team that KD couldn't go to was Golden State, right? Sure. The one team that the one team that that Caleb is gonna is gonna anger really anger people about. You know, when when I heard he was going to you know wherever Georgia, or wherever, but you know, it's just kind of like, well, the one team he can't go to because it just feels like we were jerked around. That's what. That's what. That's where my anger comes from. It's not that. I mean, I think I I wouldn't take this ex wife back. I mean, I wouldn't take her back for the one I got now. Just like, just like Venables, I wouldn't trade Venables now for for Lincoln. Would you? No. I mean, so so it's like that's not where the anger's at. And I think these fine bombs of the world and stuff, like, people like that, that are coming out and going, well, you know, they. I mean, I mean, Bob Stoops won a national title with the team ranked nineteenth in preseason AP poll. You know, so yeah. I I don't know, man. It's just I. Just getting jerked around is the part that and, and Oklahoma fans, we're not second to USC, we're not second to anybody, and that's the part that's hard for me to swallow. Hey, it's good to hear from you, True Sooner. Hey man, thank you, Dizzy. I don't disagree with him. I guess maybe I've moved on from the X a little bit quicker because because I it there's a party that's just kinda of like, Hey, thanks. Appreciate what you did for us, but I mean, this was a fan base that wasn't happy at ten and zero, right? <laughs> I mean, think about that for a moment. Or nine and zero, excuse me. This was a did they get to ten? 0? No, nine and zero. Then they went nine and one, ten and one, eleven, uh, ten and two to stop the season. So, I just I, you get that level of expectation is through the roof, right? And maybe there's a part of me that's like, this is awesome because Bill Beanbow, Joe John Finley, Kale Gundy, and Demarco Murray are still here. Maybe there's a part of that for me. Um, but it is just fascinating right now to see how it's so easy to read into a lot of things based on how this appears to be playing out. All right, Firehouse Subs, top five stories today around the corner right here on The Plank Show. Hour right, two. Top five stories today coming up. So I, I think I found a natural sponsor for the top five stories of the day in yeah. hour two. There is – have you ever eaten a Torchies before? Yes. It's like my number one now. I love I it. I don't know how it moved up so rapidly on the depth chart. Now, don't get me wrong. It's – it's there's different categories. So when I say number one, we all know that – I mean, I'm pretty – I'm pretty uh, slanted towards Wingstop, all my barbecue places – uh, Tide Delight. I mean, all these places matter to me, but dude, I had torchies yesterday, and it's like I floated out of that place. Well, also probably eating two things of street corn and a thing of queso might help me get float out of there. But oh my gosh, that hillbilly queso, man, so good. I always like it too. Whenever the person will ask you, "So do you want to make that trashy?" I'm like, "Yes, I do. Make it trashy." But we'll. Uh, how did you know? How did you know? <laughs> well, because, sir, I looked at you and I realized you probably would want queso instead of lettuce, you fat, disgusting POS. <laughs> you disgusting slob <laughs> of a man. Well, now, now, come sit in my car with me and watch me chow this down like the fat POS that I am. Let's go. Nom, 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 nom. Crew's great over there, too. They're great people. So I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I mean, I don't know. Is this how this works? Do I say, hey, this is who I want to sponsor it, and it happens? Because if not, I mean, I still got friends of Bud Light. Let's go. I mean, I can see the Bud Light top five stories of the day. 
How about I, I got a few other options? We're big coffee people. Yes. Uh, by the way, this place where we work, the ref, went from having zero coffee makers to now having two, including a Keurig. Yeah, we got a we got a Keurig back. I don't know now. where it came from. I'm gonna you start just... buying some K cups and I'll bring them into the uh, studio here. K cups, not cheap. No, um, yeah, I know. I'm aware. <laughs> it's almost like they take it uh, where you could you could drive through or stop at a. Well, actually, oh, uh, I don't want to give any establishments about it. But the place right down the street from us went from a place where I'd go in and have like four quarters, and get a cup of coffee. Now I need to like put it on my card. It's like, uh, that'll be $7 for this large coffee. What? Yeah, a 20-ounce at said venue is like 2 bucks now. Like, what just happened here? But, I mean, like, there's a Dutch Brothers that's going in on Main Street here in Norman, right off of Barry. And I'm telling you what, if I'm Stella Nova, I don't want them stealing the power of the top five stories of the day. Cool Beans right down the street might say, uh-uh-uh. We, we want need, that smoke. We need to find somebody that's locally owned. Can weed places do it? Is that legal or no? I don't. <laughs> the highway. I drive by it every single day because it's right now. It's, I think it's still a the, gray area. Oh, okay. Welcome to the Highway Connection. Top five is not something that we'll probably be able to do on this program. Not federally ah. regulated, so I, I think that ah. puts it in the don't know if we can. What about, what about our boy Trey Sports Bar up in Tulsa? I mean, listen, we showed the power of the Plank Show in T-Town. I mean, 918ers, let's not lose sight. Or the Tulsa Drillers, top five stories of the day. Uh, no weed, apparently. There you go. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I didn't think so. Okay, can I Can I tell you something? I love my – Will, if you're listening. Black Rifle Coffee. Ooh, that, see, I think that's a natural tie-in for this program. My son – <laughs> I can't say that one on the – What is is that, though – Can I say that on the air, Robbie? Like – let, let me know if I can or not, because there was a suggestion of one, and I, I'm just going Ron Burgundy right now. If you text something to me, I'm probably reading it. But I thank you, Perry. I don't want to get us in any trouble. My son is going to West Point. I, I put it out on Facebook. I'm, I'm very proud of him, right? There's there's like one more hoop to jump through, but they've basically given him the, you're good. So I'm proud, Dad. Um, I love him to death. I'm over the moon jacked. For the fact that he's doing something that, honestly, Josh Helmer, my dad always wanted me to do. My dad was always like, you're going to go to West Point. I'm like, I like girls a little bit too much. And, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Kind of want to party, Dad. Kind of, you know, I need to sue those I oats. guess you could have done that too. but so, And my son is not a huge sports fan, but he knows the things that I like to talk about. So, literally, I just got a text from him that said, so, Raiders not tying it up. Thoughts? So I wonder if one of two things happened. If one of his teachers said something, our professor said something to him, or if he was scrolling through Twitter mindlessly and saw me going back and forth with a few people on it. The bad thing is now, when he sees me getting into it with people, he'll call me. Like, Dad, yeah, you, you got to chill. You, gotta, you, you fighting with these people? They're saying bad things about you. I'm like, yes, son, that's been my whole career. What are you doing? Have you paid attention? Good time to say that this hour is brought to us by Allison Insurance. <laughs> I noticed you. Look. Hey, there you go. The Allison Insurance Top 5. I Everyone needs insurance help. That'd be cool. Um, okay, so I can Yeah, the uh, the Jubal Exotics Top 5 story of the day. Speaking of, uh, is is the pet pet place, listen to me, is the Big Tiger Place still open? 
Not too far from us. The Big Tiger Place? The Joe Ex- Big Cat Place. Joe oh, Ex- Big Cat Rescue. Yeah. The Big Cat Rescue Top. There's so many options for this right they're now. They're too big for us now. They're, they're too big of stars. I don't know if I want to get involved in their orbit. Okay. All right. But that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, just for the awkwardness of having to read like a weed liner and how it would be phrased. Top five stories today brought to you by, you have to pull it out. Tom's Greenery. And every single name has of these places have a wild name uh, associated to it. Higher Phonics. <laughs> Where you can elevate your mind in spirit. Uh, all right, let's go. Top five stories of the day. Big story uh, number five. Number, number five. five. Now, am I? are we still on? Because we do have a guest on this potential day of breaking news we are on yes okay. aaron lemming which i probably should reach out to him and make sure he's good but he i like aaron. yesterday it's kind of funny just a, a quick little story that i'm sure i'll tell five more times this show because i'm old and i forget things but aaron lemming and i connected because he's a, a bears guy and he came on my mad dog show with me and i, I say we became friends you know he follow each other on twitter i read all his stuff and then i come to find out He's like a diehard Sooner fan. Yeah, I right. And you know, he's he'll, he'll comment on a few things, and I even I'm like, do you think Aaron's an OU fan? And not only is he a fan, but he's covered it and he studied it. So he's going to come on and talk about the firings with us at 10:30 this morning and his perspective on the whole Caleb Williams drama. He's really good. I think he's going to become a regular with us. You won't want to miss it. And and I like him a lot. So speaking of the firings, and I guess it would also help if instead of sitting here trying to figure out. Who the next sponsor of the top five stories of the day is going to be? It would help if I, you know, no, that was that was an important my, couple of minutes. Had my right? audio plugged in. All right, we heard from every single owner and general manager that still has their job. The buzz building around Miami was that Brian Flores was let go, so Stephen Ross could go after Jim Harbaugh. He claimed that's not the case, and as of right now, in Miami. They don't really have a head coach in mind. I have no coach in mind at this point. We're going to you know, do a thorough you know, review and interview process. Okay. Don't know if I believe that or not, but mm. I, I, I'm just – Fireable offense. He doesn't have the list, Plank. You're I, supposed to always have the list on hand. I will say this. There's not a lot of things – Oh. Did I just break that? We on the air? Sorry. <laughs> We're still live. Okay. There's a lot of things that I – don't feel comfortable guaranteeing. Like when you'll hear someone say, I guarantee this pick's going to hit. <sighs> okay. I'll guarantee you Jim Harbaugh is going to be the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Guaranteed. Lock it in, huh? Locking it. He's definitely taking Locking an NFL it. job. Lock it in. Um, I don't think he's going to Chicago. I think he's going to Miami. Also, yesterday, the Vikings made a move. This is Mark Wilf, their owner. It's a difficult day because of the relationships we have with uh, Coach Zimmer and Rick. We really thank them for everything that they've done for our organization. They've brought us to a, to a new level. We're a first-class organization, a, a place that I think uh, any coach or GM will want to come to. We strongly believe okay, we need... That was boring. To I'm, I don't know. I just I saw Mark Wilf. I thought it was good. I'm, I apologize to non-Vikings fans. That probably put you to sleep. But no... Boy, they're all in on try- – everyone in the media is trying to get Joe Judge fired. That's all I ever saw yesterday. How does Joe Judge still have a job? I know. I, I think I'm kind of a fan now. I, I sort of want to see exactly. him succeed. It's like, 
they talked about Brian Flores got fired and Joe Judge did. What's going on here? But I loved uh, who sent that tweet out that Matt Rule was zero and six against the <laughs> that coaches that got, got fired. fired. <laughs> he still has a job. By the way, uh, the Raiders. Lost to both the Bears and the Giants this year. So, I mean, everyone calmed down a little bit with them doing anything against Cincinnati. But uh, Minnesota, I don't know. We were talking about the Giants, and I wrote down the New York Giants as a vacancy. Minnesota, Chicago, two big-time vacancies. Miami, Denver. Jacksonville, Miami, and Denver. And GMs in Minnesota, I assume they're still going to keep Trent Balky in Jacksonville. GMs in Minnesota, Chicago, and the New York Giants. They're going to keep. Michael Lombardi's tweet about this was fantastic yesterday. You see what Lombardi tweeted? No. He goes, so let me get this straight. The Dolphins fired Brian Flores but kept the guy that drafted Tua over Justin Herbert. (laughs) Pretty good point. Strong argument. All right, big story number four. Number four. I didn't even think about this tonight. But the Oklahoma Sooners will be playing their last game in the drum because the new, the Irwin Center, the new arena for the Texas Longhorns, the 12 and 3 Texas Longhorns, is very much on par. Wait, is that on schedule? Excuse me. I'm in a golf mindset. Uh, scheduled to be ready to go. By the time the Sooners travel to Austin next year, and did you see what the opening event or hear what Craig Way said? The opening event in the new Texas arena will be a George Strait concert. Yeah, that's that's pretty very awesome. Texas. Tip time tonight's a little later. Let's get you napping. Seven thirty tip. Horns are six and a half point favorites. Uh, it looks like they're going to get a few guys back that didn't play against Oklahoma State, and I think it's a good one. It's a big-time matchup, Josh. Tanner Grove's likely on the show tomorrow or Thursday, just to kind of give you a heads up. I reached out and see if Love he it. Can, uh, But I'm I'm pretty jacked about tonight's game. I think it's going to be – well, every game in the Big 12 is going to be amazing. You've got to go to Kansas. You've got to go to Kansas State. they got to go up to West Virginia. You host said teams. Exactly. Texas coming off its 13-point road loss. We'll, we'll see, you know what – more you can get from Groves tonight. And here's a random stat from ESPN.com. Texas is 10-0 when they record eight or more steals. So protect the basketball tonight. Don't turn it over. That is a very random stat. What was the stat you shared yesterday about assistance? I mean, oh my ding, gosh. Ding, ding, it hit. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it. Fifth game? Fifth game. Yeah. The magic number to beat Nick Saban is five as a former assistant. Ha. You people scoff at me. Look at You want to try to put all your money with the um, action networks of the world whose only goal is to put a stupid gif on their Twitter page? You're going to be like, okay, buddy, we get it. I am the source of insider information. Do not, do not let... These just, silly numbers get in the way. You just I, I'm putting together a tweet to pat myself on the back. As Pop used to always say, I'm going to hurt my elbow right now, patting myself on the back on that one. Thank you, Josh, for reminding me. All right, OU Texas tonight, 730, complete recap. Uh coming up tomorrow. Got a little bit of Craig Way I want to share in the eleven o'clock hour. Big story number three. Number three. Oh. 
every highlight for the national title game coming up after we talked to Aaron Lemming at the bottom of the hour, but this was essentially the final call on the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network. Man in motion to the near side, then they reverse it with Billingsley. Back to the right. Snap to Young. Drops back. Pressure from the edges. He throws near sideline. And it's intercepted. Intercepted. Kaylee Ringo at the 21. Off he goes. 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Near sideline. Breaks the tackle. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Georgia. Let the celebration begin. There you go. I uh, logged on to Facebook during the show. Sorry about that. Uh, And then there was the actual final call on the Georgia radio network. Fourth and 12 at the Georgia 47. The final second ticks away. And how of an appropriate ending is that? We sack Young on the last play of the game. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. How about that? Final score, 33-18. to The slipper changes feet, and Georgia is crowned the national champion for the first time in 41 years. I think my man, I think my man had a, a little bit of an emotional moment there. I do, too. I think I would have. Well. I do, by the way. In I, 41 years. I mean, yeah. I think people around here are going to be emotional if and when Brent Venables gets this program to the mountaintop, wins a national championship. Yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> I cry when the softball team wins, even though – so I cry a lot. I mean, I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> so I've got more from the national championship game last night. Yes, I've seen your tweet. I saw Stetson Bennett hung over like crazy on Good Morning America. Good for him. It's just who's, – whose bright idea was it to say, hey, Stetson, um, listen. this Yeah, give the dude a couple of days. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, um, My man was living his best life good last him. night, and he I- deserved to. They won a championship with a less than five-star quarterback. Is everyone going to be okay? You know, the best thing about it is, in true Stetson Bennett fashion, there were calls for him to get benched uh, late, late in this game. I mean, bro, I follow Ari Wasserman on Twitter, and I guess it was his prediction that there was no way that Stetson Bennett was going to finish the game. All right, there, there. <laughs> He had projected a a similar situation what Alabama did with Jalen Hurts and Tua, and it was even like, dudes were beating their chest at the end of the first quarter. I'm like, yeah, okay. Right. He was looking pretty good after that fumble. He was. Congratulations to George. All right, so big stories number two. Number two. And number one are kind of intertwined Number here. one. Number one. Number one. So – We'll get to all the details when we come back, but big story number two. Um, well, there's more additions to the transfer portal for Oklahoma. Uh, Latrell McCutcheon is in the transfer portal. This was the this player was, I was referring to This yesterday. is who Josh had brought up yesterday when he was keeping it on the DL. As right, to when, not I, when burn I pulled his, as you, when you said, pulled a, your Pat pulled Jones. A, a Pat Jones. Well, I know, I'm not telling you. I'm not going to share that with you. I know all this is going <laughs> yeah. on, but I'm not telling you people. Just to protect myself going forward, I will never, never let know that I – never let you or anybody else know that I have any sort of information. <laughs> don't, don't, don't ever tell me. Because I'm like Ron Burgundy. You tell me, I'm like, Latrell McCutcheon's leaving? <gasps> oh, is this on? I'm sorry. So McCutcheon is in the transfer portal – and I don't, 
I, I where did I see the picture of Caleb in a golf cart wearing a USC jersey? Did I dream that last? I told you I fell asleep at halftime. Couldn't have been. Look at did Tattoo Baker send it out? That's always a good check for did anything I f- that could be photoshopped. Did I fall for Tattoo Baker? Did I really? Hold on. Let me. I think it was off of Sam's report last night, uh, where he had said that he had talked to a trusted source that Caleb was leaving, which again is the most most shocking thing. Oh, <laughs> did you see somebody? tweeted that video of this guy like rolling up in a i don't know i i don't know what kind of vehicle it was but uh-huh. it was caleb williams arrives to usc <laughs> he gets out of this expensive ride he's got a funky <laughs> suit on he's dancing around uh well we we don't expect there to be good news for ou fans today involving his future or mario's future they're they're gone um oh barstool thank you andrew shepherd OU Barstool had it on the gram. So I guess there was something that went out on Insta that we that I somehow saw of Caleb Williams. Thank you, Shep. Thank you, OU Barstool. It was a real thing, though? I guess so. Oh, okay. I guess so. Well, that's not as fun. Like I said, I fell asleep a little bit last night um, at halftime for a little bit. So th- there might be some things today that I say I thought happened in the game, they're like, oh, wait, I dreamed that. But Caleb Williams expected to go ahead and pledge his allegiance to USC. We expect Mario Williams to as well. And I would add to that that with Latrell McCutcheon going into the transfer portal, not a lot of people surprised at that. But there's good news. The quarterback portal side for Oklahoma, which we'll tell you about when we come back. Ah. It's a tease in the business. It's 1022 on a Tuesday. You're listening to The Ref, K-R-E-F, Plank Show, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, um, Aaron, in about five minutes from now, we hope. I know his schedule's been kind of crazy. Aaron Lemming's going to join us. Yeah, no, he said he's good. Good, okay. Did you – well, let me pay off the tease. Be kind of cold to come back and not pay it off. So, Oklahoma is continuing to build – it's adapted quarterback. We know that Dylan Gabriel is coming, and Ralph Rucker is still on the Sooner roster, as is Micah Bowens. Nick uh, Nick Evers is the freshman that they signed out of Florida, or was committed to Florida, and signed with Oklahoma. Is he out of Florida too? Off the top of my head, I think he is. Uh, I think he's a Texas Texas kid. guy. Okay, so and it looks like. It looks as if, yeah, Flower Mound. Okay, thank you. It looks as if we're not done. And that Jeff Levy wants to add potentially one more quarterback. And so we all heard about Chubba Purdy yesterday, the Florida mm-hmm. State player, who I guess went as far as saying he has an offer. But according to reports from 24 7 Sports, the latest name to factor into the OU quarterback conversation is Jackson Dart, the USC five-star who became the first freshman to start the USC-UCLA game for UCLA since, gosh, I want to say, uh, did I say that right? Start the USC-UCLA game? Since I want to say the 80s, maybe maybe the 60s, it had been a minute. So 
I don't know much about Jackson Dart. I saw him play a couple of games. Looked fine to me. Has impressive flowing mane. Um, but why not, right? Why not go get what you can? Sure. Automatically upgrade that quarterback room. Mm. Jackson Dart, highly recruited kid. Uh, it sounds like there's going to be a visit this weekend. Good. For Dart. So Good. And I, I don't think you can have enough. QBs on your roster. I really don't. Especially, you know, you have one that's a walk-on. I don't know Micah Bowen's current status. I don't know if he's a walk-on. I would assume he's a scholarship guy since he came in from Penn State. Is Uh, he going to wind up sticking around? I don't know. Maybe. Nobody's really asked about him lately or, you know, toward the end of the season or anything. No. Um, uh, Good question. Good question. Kindle writes, or I believe Crimson writes, why don't you guys make mention of walk-ons who are on the roster? Well, that's I, I know he's all about Ben. Is it Ben Harris? Yeah, Ben Harris. The kid from Carl Albert. I don't know if Ben's going to factor as a quarterback. Because we're trying to be realistic, right. Kindle. Yeah. I, I, I think Ben's going to end up being a defensive back maybe. I don't know. I, I know. But then that's the sixth guy. And, you know, Ralph Rucker is a quarterback too. I just don't think he factors into that conversation, unfortunately. I thought he was great in high school, too. You know who else was a really good high school quarterback? Malcolm Rodriguez, and he was an all-world linebacker at Oklahoma State. So there might be some other potential things in Ben Harris's future, in my mind. Can I tell you something, too, on a sidebar here real quick before we grab a break and get um, get in-depth on the future of Caleb Williams and kind of some coaching rumors stuff? I kind of dig Kirby Smart. Yeah, I like him, too. I kind of dig what Nick Saban has become, too. Did you hear Nick Saban after the players got done with their press conference yesterday? This was at the end of the players' press conference. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Bryce and Will, thanks for your time. We'll let you head back to your locker room. I'd like to say something. Puts his arms out to stop him from getting up. Absolutely. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team. Uh, and they that they contributed tremendously to the success of this team. And we would not be here without them. All right? And both of them take responsibility for the loss. Um, but both of them contributed in a lot of ways, in a positive way to giving us a chance to win and a chance to be here to have an opportunity to win. So I just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud I am of these two guys. Thank you, Coach. Pretty cool. Guys got done. You could tell they were emotional. You could tell they were hurting. And he's like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Let me say something. <laughs> I just like, dude. Nick Saban becoming likable is one of the most incredible storylines we've seen here in 2021. In 2022, I guess. Right, Aaron Lemming's going to join us next. We'll talk about some of these coaching vacancies, how they factor into college football. Uh, Aaron's big OU guy will get his take on the shift for the Sooner Nation next. All right, it's a Tuesday, but it's... Yes, it is Tuesday. Sometimes I have to question what day it is. But National championship counts for like three days in one. That's right. Um, but it's also a day in which we're expecting that next left hook to land in the Lincoln leaving saga. So we thought we'd bring in uh, a dude that covers the NFL. And to my pleasant surprise, 
keeps tabs and is a fan of the Oklahoma Sooners. Aaron Lemming joins us, covers the Bears for uh, Bears Report, WC Gridiron. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. I, I was telling Josh, you know, Aaron, you and I have talked a few times on Fox Sports Radio and on Mad Dog. I had no idea uh, about your Sooner, I don't know what the term would be, fandom, but dude, you're as tied in as anyone. So what's been your reaction to the Lincoln leaving and the, the Brent Venables hiring and the mess that has followed with uh, Caleb Williams since? Yeah, it's uh, man. It's well, one. It's good to talk to you again. It, you know, man. It's 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 crazy. I, I honestly, it's it's different because it's like you know, with the other sports teams that I either a cover or be a fan of, you know, they don't have the same stature as a team like you know an organization like Oklahoma, right? A program like Oklahoma, where you just don't expect a guy like Lincoln Riley, who was handed everything on a silver platter up and leave and then all the fall the, the fallout sense and obviously I, I love the, the Venables hire but it's really tough when you start seeing these guys going to the transfer portal and you, you know you, you see a guy like Caleb Williams who's so likable and you understand you know I, I'm sure everybody does you know you, you understand why he's making the move and going into the transfer portal and everything else and you got to do what's best for your future especially in college but it's a it's a tough pill to swallow I, I won't lie it's been a very frustrating I almost Red looking at Oklahoma updates just because it seems like, yes, there has been some good news, don't get me wrong, but it's just it's kind of unfortunate to see where they are now and how things have fallen out with Lincoln Riley versus the expectations going into this season in 2021. That's a really good point. It's almost as if you, you hate to refresh because it's like, okay, what's next? Like, Latrell McCutcheon makes his decision today. And Aaron, I say this a lot, and you can probably test it better than anyone, I think people see Lincoln leaving and they don't realize how big of a get it is because while Brent Venables is incredible and he's won a national championship, the national poster boy for that is Dabo Sweeney. And they don't see what Brent Venables has done and the guys that he's bringing in. So I I, I don't think nationally, well, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think people look at the Lincoln-Riley loss to be much more of a detriment than the positives of the addition of, of Brent Venables. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. I, I think the if you're not watching Oklahoma on a weekly basis, especially over the last few years, and, you know, you, you don't see – and it's not to say that there's – you know, that Lincoln Riley's a bad coach, because I don't think he is, but there was clear flaws with Lincoln Riley's offense over the last few years that I think a lot of people nationally either didn't see or ignored. And, you know, I pointed those out multiple times, and I caught quite a bit of flack from it just from other people. And it's like, well, when you watch this team on a weekly basis – you can see some of the issues that are going on. And obviously, you know, this is all speculation on my part, but it kind of makes more sense why they look the way that they did the majority of this year. Cause it kind of seems like Lincoln Riley had his foot, you know, halfway out the door, you know, even halfway through the season. So it, it, it's disappointing, but I think overall, I think this is going to be a better thing for Oklahoma. And again, if you don't want to be at the program, don't be at the program. You know, they, they've got plenty of people who want to be at the program, and this is an elite-level program, so they'll make it right. And, I mean, Joe Castiglione's done a great job. So I've been, I've been impressed with how they've rebounded because I, of, of, uh, I don't think a lot of teams and a lot of colleges could have done what Oklahoma did. Aaron Limming hanging out with us this morning for CBS Sports' Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron. Aaron, we will talk Chicago Bears. We will talk Matt Nagy here in just a second. But just your general thought on what the expectation is in your mind now for Oklahoma next season. It's clearly going to change here in a lot of people's uh, a lot of people's minds with Caleb Williams likely off the USC with Mario Williams out and, of course, Lincoln Riley and uh, now Brent Venables in. So what is your expectation for Oklahoma next season? 
You know, that's a good question. I've actually been asking myself the same thing. I, 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 I don't know. It, it's tough because I, I feel like it's one of those situations. If you get the right coach in there, uh, you know, with Venables, I think things could maybe not quite be the same as they have been over the last few years, but I think it could be a smoother year than most people expect. I'm expecting more probably of a transitional year, but again, this is, you know, you guys cover this team. I, I, I love them and I watch them, but I don't, <laughs> I don't follow them nearly as closely as you guys do. So kind of keep you know, for anybody listening, kind of keep that in mind, you know, this is kind of a, you know, an outsider's view, more of a fan view than anything, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't expect them to be challenging for a national championship next year, but I do think that it's still going to be an entertaining year. And really the big 12 still isn't really that good in my opinion. Okay. Uh, one, one final thought before we get into very weird press conference yesterday and, and maybe some college coaches in the mix at Chicago. You had been, uh, and what opened my eyes was in, in seeing your tweets, and you'd brought up kind of Lincoln in the offense and a few things that caught your eye. And I know you watch tape, but where where did you see things fall apart for the Sooners in twenty one, Aaron? What kind of stood out to you? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with. I mean, we, we it's almost like we watch the same thing every year with Lincoln Riley, where they start a little slow. You know, they usually lose those. You know, you lose the game or two in the beginning, and they kind of get things figured out. And it didn't really seem like they got things figured out. And I think the big thing for me was the running game and how they were using their running backs, how they were actually running the ball, and how predictable they were in terms of you know their overall you know fronts and what they were doing offensively, um, their overall setups. And it's just it was one of those things where it just seemed like things never really clicked, especially offensively. And it seemed like things were so predictable to where he abandoned, at least to me, I, I felt like, especially, especially when Spencer Rattler was struggling, he abandoned the run far too often. And it's like, you got Kennedy Brooks, you got Eric Gray. What are you doing? Like run the ball. And I, I don't know. There's just something about, especially this last year where there were a lot of tendencies. And I know I said this and again, I know a lot of people got after me for it, but there were certain tendencies that reminded me a little bit of how Matt Nagy and some of these offensive coordinators and offensive coaches in the NFL were sometimes they abandon the run. We've seen the same thing with Brian Dable at times this year, where it's almost like they don't trust the running game enough. You know, most offensive minds are not going to be, you know, running motivated. They're going to be more passing motivated and their defense mechanism is to go to throwing the ball more. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Spencer Rattler especially struggled, uh, especially struggled with, you know, the offensive line early in the season, which I do think was a factor as well. But you have to play to your strengths. You still got a ton of talent on the team, mix things up, keep things balanced. And that was just one thing to me that I noticed with Lincoln Riley. And it really, it was this year. And there was a little bit last year too, at times when, when Rattler struggled as well, where it seemed like they're just throwing the ball too much. I agree. I agree hundred percent. Were you, uh, were you surprised at how defiant as we shift to the NFL? Matt Nagy seemed to be down the stretch. I mean, I know it's gotta be tough, Aaron, whenever it's nonstop, well, what are you going to do about getting fired? Do you expect to get fired? I know that can't be easy. But were you surprised at how defiant he remained in his job status? And I guess Ian Rappaport even reporting yesterday that he, he, he was surprised when he actually did get the call that he was done? Well, I, I, I think – let me preface this by saying I think Matt Nagy is a person, is a really good guy. I think as, a, as an NFL coach and especially a head coach, I think he lacks some awareness. And I, I think you can kind of go back over the last few years with the Bears and see, you know, 2018 was the best offense that they'd had under Matt Nagy and things had just just slowly deteriorated since that point. It was always, we got to figure out the why. That was his main thing that he always talked about. So 
I'm not personally overly surprised by it just because I think that he probably looked at this as everything else is somebody else's fault. I mean, you go back to 2018, the one successful year they had at 12 and four, then you go the next year, they go eight and eight. They have issues with the offensive line. They have issues with Trubisky, you know, kind of taking a step back and all of a sudden what's their remedy to this? Well, we're going to go ahead and fire, you know, the offensive coordinator. We're going to fire, you know, one of the best offensive line coaches in football, whether that's college or professionals uh, with Harry Heastan. And then all of a sudden, you know, they bring in Bill Lazor, they bring in, you know, a multitude of different names, Juan Castillo, and things don't get better. And every year there was a scapegoat. 2020, it was Chuck Pagano. The defense wasn't good enough because Chuck Pagano wasn't good enough. And really what it came down to is he gets a new quarterback, he gets yet another veteran quarterback in Andy Dalton, and yet he produces the worst offensive numbers that his team has had. And his team was just, I, I mean, just to be completely honest here, I mean, they, they were so much more undisciplined than they'd had been in the past, you know, the three years prior to that, to where I just, I think there was a little bit of a lack of awareness. And I think to a certain extent that goes on with, you know, coaching and, and scouts and all that stuff throughout the NFL as a whole. But I think more than anything, Matt Nagy is such a positive guy to where sometimes he's not able to see the negatives for what they truly are. Talking with Aaron Lemming, he's in the house with us, covers the Chicago Bears, rides for CBS Sports' Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron. So the future here in Chicago is Justin Fields. How does he factor into who you think might ultimately get hired in Chicago? Well, I think, obviously, I mean, he's going to be the factor moving forward, right? I mean, he's got to be their primary focus. With that being said, I don't know that they're going to pigeonhole themselves into the same uh, type of candidates that they did back in 2018 with Matt Nagy. I mean, you, you kind of go back and you see the hires made over the last five or ten years, and especially with a team like the Bears, who have been through a multitude of different coaches over the last ten years, they always seem to focus on whatever the problem is, right? You, you get rid of Lovey Smith because you don't have a good offense. You hire Mark Trestman. All of a sudden, the defense goes completely downhill. What do you do? You go back to a veteran coach, uh, defensive-minded, and John Fox. And then all of a sudden, the offense isn't where you want it to be. You've got Mitchell Trubisky. We need to go back to an offensive coach. Here we go. We're going to bring in, uh, you know, we're going to bring in Matt Nagy. So I think that that is one of the biggest things that the Bears have to get away from, right? Is they got to get away from this trend of. We're just going to hire what we need. And, you know, at least so far, I mean, granted, obviously, it's very early in the process. They have a general manager to hire. They also have a head coach to hire. So it's going to be an interesting process with Bill Polian being the primary consultant, kind of giving names. They've already got nine different guys that they're bringing in in terms of uh, interviews. And granted, this is going to be more of a preliminary kind of thing. But just to kind of give you an idea on some of these names, you got Leslie Frazier, who's a defensive-minded guy. Uh, Brian Dable, offensive-minded guy. Doug Peterson, offensive-minded guy as well. You know, obviously won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. And then you got other guys like uh, Nathaniel Hackett, offensive mind. So when you start really, you start really looking at these names, they're casting a really wide net right now. And I think that's smart because as we've seen, just because you're an offensive mind doesn't mean that you're going to be able to produce a good offensive product as a head coach because obviously you go from being an offensive coordinator to coordinating and being the head coach of all three phases. Uh, so I do think that the Bears are on the right track. Uh, the one thing I do worry about a little bit is then making the head coaching hire before they have the GM in place. And that was something that uh, George McCaskey talked about yesterday, that they're not ruling out. And I think, at least for me, I'm a process guy. I think you, you get the general manager in who's going to be the president of football ops. He's going to be you know, the guy that's overseeing everything and reporting directly to the owner. Let the general manager make the hire. Mm, I love it. Aaron? You're awesome. 
I'm really glad we got a chance to catch up. Uh, who knows? Maybe we won't get Caleb Williams news today. Maybe we'll find out who the next head coach of the Bears is going to be before we find out anything with Caleb Williams. But I appreciate your time, man. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Good talking to you again. You Thank too, you man. for having me on. Yeah, anytime. At Aaron Lemming NFL. Aaron covers the Bears, big Oklahoma guy, so thought we'd bring him in to get a little perspective on the Bears coaching search and where things are right now in, in his opinion with Caleb Williams. Now, have a bit of an update, right, um, when we come back. 24-7 Sports has put out uh, – Chris Hummer has put out his most recent timetable. We'll bring it to you next. This is uh, – I want to make this very clear. I'm not stealing any subscription information and giving it to you for free. This was a free click, just so you know. <laughs> so I got someone got mad. It's like, hey, you read something off the athletic, and that's a subscription service. I'm like, no, 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 no. I read you two sentences in order to suck you in to subscribe. Which to the part athletic. did you read? I forgot. Um, here is probably the most important part. <laughs> Listen, hey. I'm not here to sell subscriptions. I'm here to get you to listen to the radio. Well, and let me say, too. Go ahead. In regards to visitors this weekend to Oklahoma, our friends over at 247sports.com, OU Insider, they've got a a nice little list that that is some VIP stuff. Okay, that's good. There's more names on it that I think fans would be intrigued. Well, here is what Chris Hammer has to say on 24-7 Sports about both Caleb Williams and Jackson Dart. First on Caleb, um, he I mean, all, all these things are what you know. The, the co- connection is to 24-7 Sports crystal ball, sits on USC for Williams, but mm-hmm. he's expected to visit UCLA this week. And it seems his announcement would come down to USC and UCLA, which again, Quit telling me it's about pro development and you're going to send him to UCLA. I love Chip Kelly. He's one of my favorite coaches. But his thing hasn't really been developing dudes for the NFL. The reason Marcus Mariota became an NFL quarterback was not because of the development he had in college. It was his incredible natural athletic ability, which is why he's still in the league today. And Why you had him in the game on second and three and run that stupid little gift. Okay, I, I digress. Meanwhile, here's a couple of things for Dart to keep in mind. Both BYU and UCLA missed out on Dylan Gabriel. And Dart has connections at UCLA. The rumor is that there's an Oklahoma interest as well, along with Ole Miss and Graham Harrell and West Virginia, who was just hired. Now, last I heard, I thought somebody knew Graham Harrell's barber and said that he had signed his contract because he knew a week before that Lincoln Riley was taking the job. Wasn't that what it was or something? But it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him take a trip. Uh, It's just going to be so weird because, I mean, think about this for the idea of Jackson Dart going to West Virginia. That's a whole new world. I mean – Jackson Dart is a – he's a West Coast dude. You know, he's from Draper, Utah. And to go to Morgantown, a little bit of a culture shift for him. It is. It, it, it's very much that, but it's also in terms of, well, you know, you think about 
like Oklahoma, he's not going to be guaranteed to be at the starter. He's going to have a serious competition Sorry. with Dillian, with Dillian, Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. Ole Miss, he's probably the starter, right? Maybe. West Virginia, he he's going to battle with Green, but he's probably the guy too. Right. All right, quick break. When we come back, uh, hour three with more from the national championship game. Georgia wins it. We'll react next. Boy, they are. Uh, every time I look up on ESPN, SportsCenter is on. And literally, when they talk about the vacancies, right? We're talking about the NFL here real quick. Chicago, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Miami, and Denver. I guess technically the Raiders, right? Technically, we'll see what they do. But like the Giants are brought up right away. It's like, oh, yeah, the Gi- Joe Judge. Joe Judge still has a job. You're like, gosh, man. New York City, they got to play to the market, man. The dude's probably going to keep his job and unless you try to force him into getting fired. Oh, and I have another quick little Grinch. Josh, this is a frustration. How come every single day there has to be a report on, oh, this huge future bet was placed on the Bengals or this uh, (laughs) uh, just learned of a hundred thousand. You know what? Every single time I see one of these, they're never right. It's like late money just came in on Arizona to beat Seattle this weekend. $180,000 bet. Trying to sucker us into. I don't think it's ever been right. Uh, not usually. Ben, Ben, F- uh, Falk has, make sure I say it very, very slowly. <laughs> Please, oh, proceed with caution. Uh, huge futures bet just placed the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. $50,000 on 20 to 1 odds. Man, it went a million dollars. I kind of like uh, Buffalo that. at 6 to 1. I haven't dug too deep into them. Should I, is there any, what are you guys, like 3 to 1? Is that what, because if Buffalo's yeah, 6 to 1. in that neighborhood. Gosh, unbelievable. But I just the whole futures. Oh, just future bet. Kansas City's like I think plus three seventy five. Yeah, you're not gonna make it. And money. Green Bay's plus three ten. All right. So last night was a national championship game. As we quickly shift to the college football world, several big plays that made a difference in this game, including Stetson Bennett, whom. Well, let's let's rewind a little bit earlier in the game because it wasn't all. It wasn't all Georgia, right? I mean, Alabama did some some really nice things throughout a majority of this football game, including uh, Bryce Young before. Gosh, they just kept losing people and losing people, but this big-time throw. Here's Bryce rolling right, looks, throws, touchdown Alabama at the goal line. Cameron Latu. What did did you think about the Stetson-Bennett fumble play definitely a fumble in your mind I'm so jaded on that kind of stuff yes I thought it was definitely a fumble I thought it was a fumble too I think they got it right and it looked like there was just just a smidge of green I think they got the call right was that not just the wildest sequence though I mean the I forget which Alabama player it was that came away with that fumble but they weren't trying to recover it for a fumble no They're just kind of casually They're picking it up casually meandering over to the sideline oh i'm gonna catch this football on the bounce lo and behold if alabama wins the national championship because of the touchdown that we just heard right there from bryce young it was set up by that stetson bennett fumble I, that could have been one of the 
weirdest sequences to set up a national champion in college football history. Credit Georgia for responding, but, I mean, that was just nuts. Yeah, and, you know, Smith falls down in coverage in the end zone, too. But the the lack of urgency on the recovery, literally his toe was almost on the end line. <laughs> I mean, his toe, it was – I'm surprised they didn't do this thing now where they zoom in. NBC it. Yeah, and, and also they take a third different angle of it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's wild. So that moment was set up by – did they – correct my memory. Did they originally call it a fumble on the field? They did, yeah, okay, yes. That's what I thought. So right. the, the call stood. Because it was just it was just enough. I had given up on Twitter by that point. I think I had had enough of it, and I was just watching the game, <laughs> which was – oh, gosh. I forgot. Twitter used to be so great in its infancy during a game, and maybe it was just because not a lot of people were on it. But it was great because – it was it was almost like having a watch party at your house, only people weren't getting their shoes on your couch and drinking all your beer and eating all your food. But now it's become every single play, there's got to be some sort of analysis on it, right? Every single play. I, I'm i a big Kirk Herbstreet fan. I think he does a, a yeah. really nice job. Me too. I did have to laugh, though in the first half of that game. Remember Bryce Young got pressured and it the the first first uh snap from scrimmage, I think, right? Where Georgia ran it back. Yeah, and, and, and the the camera guy was screwed up and Chris Fowler had it all screwed up. Yeah, yeah. The, here's what I thought was kind of funny. Herb Street said, What a heads up play there from Bryce Young. I was like, dude got rocked and luckily his arm was going forward. Let's not give him that much credit. And I I think Bryce Young's a fabulous football player. I think he's going to win the national championship next season and potentially become the second player ever to go back to back as a Heisman Trophy winner. But like, dude, come on, Kirk. <laughs> I I have a lot of moments. And I can remember all my screw ups. I literally I can't tell you there's certain plays that you'll bring up from that game last night. I'm like, Wait a minute, when did that happen? What? But I can tell you, I remember screwing up whenever Sidney Romero hit her game-winning home run against Tulsa in, in 2017. Off the bat, I said popped up, right? And it was a home run. Yeah, it's a long pop-up. Um, I remember last year against UCLA, Jocelyn Allo drove, run, drove one to the wall that I thought was going to get caught because Bubba Nichols was out there. I didn't realize Bubba Nichols was like 20%. And I kind of botched that call. I botched the national championship call. All these things stay with you. But, oh, my gosh, Chris um, Fowler botched that that fumble call at the very beginning of the game. And I don't blame him because I, I've heard for a lot of TV guys, they like to watch the monitors so they can see, like Al Michaels talks about it. The camera work was not elite on that moment. Now it's, no. It's one one bug from what I thought was an excellent broadcast. Can I get back to one of my favorite, though, complaints? Can we kick the freaking game off when we say we're going to kick the game off? I First of all, this is all sidebar stuff. This is old man stuff, and that's fine. Number one, how much more analysis do we need prior to kickoff? We've literally spent two hours leading up to it on ESPN and a whole day. How much more do we need before kickoff? Number two, the intro thing had to cost a billion dollars, and it made no difference in the viewing experience, right? 
Sasha Banks was the star of it, right? And I'm like, I don't. She's got like a thing on her face. What, what does she even do? She walks out. She goes, "Let's go." That's all she said. I mean, she probably got paid like 500 grand, and that's all she did. Must be nice. Did anyone tune in to see Sasha Banks put gold and make the trophy come up and go, "Let's go"? It was the dumbest thing ever. Say you're going to start at seven, kick the damn game off, and let's go. It's seven fifteen before we finally get through the anthem. Got to get through the coin toss. We got to get both coaches' interviews for the 86th time. That's play, gotta be, play the game. Got to be enraging for some of our friends out on the East Coast. I mean, if I'm on the East Coast and it says 8 o'clock kick time and I'm sitting there, I'm like, what are we waiting for? Thankfully, uh, I think um, my man in the bleachers had tweeted it and uh, Garrett, DJ Garrett, Said on the command center they have a countdown to kickoff. And it was even off. They were three minutes late for that. <laughs> you and I were going back and forth, and I put it on Twitter. I had projected 725. You actually hit it on the head. 717. 717 with a kick. Not bad. Oh, I'm not done being mad about the broadcast, but I'll pause for there. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, welcome. You would think that it was like, let's go down the field for the anthem. No, no, no. Here's 10 more minutes of analysis from Kirk Curbstreet. And here's 10 more minutes of analysis from Chris Fowler. Now, let's bring you this stupid intro video with Sasha Banks and, I don't even know, a, a, a gold thing that's shooting fire through both of the locker rooms. Were you pretty fired up about the Katy Perry music video reveal at halftime? Okay, there's another thing. Like I, like I told you, I, I fell asleep at halftime. Halftime was like 45 minutes long, I swear. And I woke up. And I'm thinking, okay, we're getting ready to kick off the second half. I wake up, Josh, too. And coming up next, the reveal of the new Katy Perry video. <laughs> nice. So you did get to see okay, it. Okay, so I have a, who do they think their audience is? I, I mean, I, I know we have all these cool toys that we can play with to create things, right? And they're very visually stimulating. But, I mean, like, I, I, I don't understand – half the stuff we do around a sporting event anymore. Give me some pregame analysis, all right? And when we get to the game, kick the thing off. A non-sports person was sitting with me during that pregame thing, which is the only people I think they're doing it for. It's like, hey, man, let's uh, have this gold thing come up. And then, like, uh, like a nuclear bomb went off. We'll have Sasha Banks. Is it even Sasha Banks? Am I right? She'll walk out, and then uh, we'll pay her a bunch of money. We'll put her in, like, this mask. And she'll be like this futuristic thing. And she's going to walk out, and she's going to say, let's go. And then everyone's going to be fired up. <laughs> Kick the game off. I uh, sort of enjoy the fanfare. It's like a mini <sighs> Super Bowl. Gosh. Meanwhile, um, as so the Cameron Latou <laughs> – See, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a problem, though, if all of that happened at, say, 645. Your problem, right. your problem is not with Sasha Banks. Or well, with- I think that was very stupid, but I understand what you're getting at. Yes. If that's leading into a kick at 7 o'clock, brilliant. Go from right from Wheel of Fortune or whatever is on before it on ABC, I don't even know, and right to it. Kick the game off. Your beef off. is not with, hey, this doesn't belong with the football game because – I don't remember you complaining about the halftime entertainment at the Super Bowl in any of our years together. It is mm. you tell me this is going to start at 7. Start the game at 7. And I know it's not getting kicked off until closer to 7.20. It is. And you know what? The NFL has started to do this a little bit too. Have you noticed this? The, and, and, and they stopped 
and they started back timing. So the NFL will do the NFL and Fox and, and CBS Sunday. And so what they'll do is they'll go to the site like two minutes early. And then that way, the latest they're kicking off is like two after. But no, I've I've got good. That two after has saved me a couple of a couple of NFL Sundays. Gosh. I need my buffer time. Right. Um so anyway, back to the highlights. So Alabama takes an 18-13 lead. If you were watching some of the film room stuff, Kirby Smart talked about it a lot. He's like, you got to throw the ball deep on Alabama to beat them. And guess what? Georgia did. Third and less than a yard. Dogs are going to line up in a hurry from the 15. Play fake to Cook. Throw it out to the left side. Bowers makes the catch at the 15. He's going to score, but a flag is down. Bowers scored on the play. Well, we got to check the flag again. Looks like it's going against Alabama, though, I think. The referee is talking with Kirby Smart. Personal foul. Roughing the passer. Number nine. Defense. Result of the play is a touchdown. That 15-yard penalty will be carried over to the ensuing kickoff. There you go, 26-18. Go crazy. Go crazy. So let me make sure. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I have all of my timestamps right. Do you have the big touchdown pass? See, that's what I thought I had right there, but I guess I do not. <laughs> they, I thought that was the big touchdown pass. I guess. I bet I can find it. I, 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 okay, we're in a race right here to find it quicker. Pick six, TD to Bowers, um, Bennett to – there it is, Bennett to Mitchell. Finally. All right, let's see what it sounded like on the on the on the bomb. Maybe. Second down and eighteen from the Alabama forty. Bennett unloads deep ball. Going to the end zone. A D Mitchell fights. He makes the catch. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on with our Georgia broadcasters in this game? They like boy, they had a dud of a, a broadcast. The Bowers touchdown was terrible. Yeah. That was lousy. The Crimson Tide broadcast was probably better than that. So uh the Mitchell You kidding touchdown. me? You guys haven't won in 41 years. What the heck's going on over there? So the Mitchell touchdown run made it 19-18. Or the Mitchell touchdown can't, uh, catch 40 yards. Um, they missed a two-point conversion. Then the touchdown pass to Bowers on the little swing with the foul. Uh, with a penalty. And then there was this, and I guess maybe you could say... They had a little bit more juice on this job. Man in motion to the near side, then they reverse it with Billingsley. Back to the right. Snap to Young. Drops back. Pressure from the edges. He throws near sideline. And it's intercepted. Intercepted. Keely Ringo at the 21. Off he goes. 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Near sideline. Breaks the tackle. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Georgia. Let the celebration begin. Do you want to uh, That's guess? That's more like it. There you go. Do you want to guess the network? I mean, this is kind of easy because we all know the voice of Eli Gold. But here is the final call on the Georgia radio network. Fourth and 12 at the Georgia 47. The final second ticks away. And how of an appropriate ending is that? We sack Young on the last play of the game. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. How about that? Final score, 33-18. to 18. The slipper changes feet, and Georgia is crowned the national champion for the first time in 41 years. That is... Sort of was a dead giveaway with the Wii, but yes, uh, hand is raised. Back of the class, please. Okay, um, wouldn't it like be the crown changes heads? I mean, the slipper changes chrome domus. The the slipper changing feet isn't that kind of like a Cinderella thing? And I don't think either one of these teams are considered 
Cinderella. Well, definitely right? not Alabama. Right. Yeah, um, that was. Uh, I don't know what that was hmm. about. Anyway. Uh, here's Alabama's final call. It's all of eight seconds. Here's Bryce. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me try that again. Here's Alabama's final call. That is the end of the ball game. Final score, Georgia 33, Alabama 18. <laughs> Six seconds. I'm sorry. Hmm. Man, Eli Golden, when they lose, he's pretty much done with everyone, isn't he? No touchdown for Alabama. Bama. All right, when we come back, we'll hit the locker room. Hear little Nick Saban and Will Anderson and Bryce Young. And like I said, I kind of dig Kirby Smart. Thought it was uh, thought it was cool to to see him win a, a championship. And I just I'm telling you what, nobody nobody wants to believe it, but the f- magic number is five. Former assistants five times. Fifth time they get Nick Saban finally. By the, by the way, that was a dime on the uh, go-ahead touchdown pass that Stetson bit. Amazing, an absolute just, dime, just amazing. And for a guy that you know is a walk-on quarterback and was much maligned and gave critiqued. himself his own nickname. Did, Did you know that? Yeah, he nicknamed himself the Mailman. So that's why, because he always delivers. That's why he wears like a U.S. post office thing. He definitely delivered in the natty. There was another controversy about someone who had given themselves a nickname not too long ago. He should have been. Uh, he should have nicknamed himself True Bulldog then. True He's- Bulldog. <laughs> All right. So there's the highlights. We'll get to the locker room next. And uh, as we've said many times. We have been monitoring and following all things on the transfer portal for Oklahoma. And as we sit here at 11.20 a.m., no news uh, officially from Caleb Williams. There was a Instagram video that surfaced of him maybe shooting a commitment video for USC. There's reports that he's still going to visit UCLA. There was a report that he had uh, let Oklahoma know that he wasn't coming back, but nothing official. So we'll keep our eyes on the next right here on The Plank Show. So I thought I was eating somewhat healthy, and I bit into this, and it's a chocolate chip muffin. <laughs> what did you think it was? Blueberry. Not yeah, because you, you could sell blueberry to yourself. Well, there's antioxidants. Right, right, exactly. Uh, wrapped in a sugary, bready substance. but I'm a big muffin guy. I love too. muffins. But whenever I bite into it and it's chocolate, it's like, well... So much for no sweets in 2022. Ahead of its time, the Seinfeld Muffin Tops episode. Very much so. How, okay. Question I have before we hear from Kirby Smart and Nick Saban last night. And again, still waiting for anything official on the Caleb Williams saga. I know there was a report out there that he had told the OU coaches he wasn't coming back. Shocking. Um, I, I don't, again... I don't think anyone just throws stuff out there to see if it sticks. I'm not calling BS on anyone. It's just to me, there's certain people, the Parker Thunes of the world, uh, many others, Carrie, uh, Steely's uncle, that I need to hear confirmation from. Steely's uncle, for sure. But, you know, Latrell McCutcheon enters the transfer portal today. Um, Josh had kind of alluded to that yesterday on the show. And we expect Mario Williams to end up at USC as well. But with all that said, Josh, how like how do we compartmentalize? What do you take away from last night and Georgia winning the national championship as it kind of pertains to Oklahoma and its future? I mean, is there any – because I heard uh, – Tyler was talking about this a little bit yesterday, I think with Drake, 
Um, and I, I just, whenever I watched it last night, there wasn't too much that I thought, boy, I wonder what this means for Oklahoma or how this affects Oklahoma. It was just, hey, George and Bama are playing each other, and by God, it looks like two NFL teams going at it out there. Well, that's probably the best takeaway you can have is that, that I mean, that's, again, that's it. That's what Oklahoma's got to get to. You have to have those type of disruptors on the defensive line. Perrion Winfrey did some really nice things at Oklahoma, but he ain't what Georgia had out there last night. He's not what Alabama had out there last night. OU needs those guys. I think big picture for college football, Georgia got the monkey off the back, and now Georgia is they're well positioned to make this not a one-time occurrence for Kirby Smart and company. I mean, I don't think they're going anywhere real soon. I think that they're going to win multiple national championships with Kirby Smart before it's all said and done. I think the term you're looking for is problem. I think they're a problem. It's what I would say about Georgia going forward. But I didn't – watching last night, I didn't come away from it with, oh, my gosh, this means this for Oklahoma or anything of that nature. It just – to me, it's a whole new world at OU. And we'll, we'll kind of see how things pan out. It might – there might be some bumps in the road over the next year, but I firmly expect that Oklahoma is going to be better off because they're going to get what they need to get defensively in the personnel. And they've got a guy – and I was – it was funny because Stuart Mandel had threw out his tweet. And I, I think it's fair. Listen, I don't think there's anything wrong, nor should there be, with questioning Oklahoma next year. I mean, we're going to sp- – I, I, my charge to everyone was, hey, go, go take a snooze on the internet. I, I wouldn't – Feel like I need to respond to every single thing that's out there. But I saw an Oklahoma State friend of mine that's like, well, Oklahoma fans are delusional and that they don't think that they're going to be worse off without Lincoln Riley. And my kind of response was, well, we just lost to OSU with Lincoln Riley, bro. Right. That's not, I mean, I'm in, not. In a year where you entered the season with, oh, by the way, <laughs> need do I need to remind everyone the Heisman Trophy favorite who got <laughs> replaced? I mean, I, I, I can understand where maybe you're like, oh, well, they just don't think. Well, you, you just beat Lincoln Riley, and you went to the Big 12 championship game. That's unacceptable for the, Oklahoma. The same Lincoln Riley who had all of these national panelists before the season prognosticating that that was going to be OU last night yeah. winning the national championship, and OU didn't sniff it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just this whole mindset of, like, OSU fans wanting to pile up pile on because Oklahoma fans are still angry it's like or or optimistic about the future I mean that's what gets me you know a little flustered this morning is hey it's okay for OU fans to see what Brent Venables and Todd Bates and this defensive staff that's here now the guys that they're in on and you follow the tea leaves what these talented talented defensive prospects Mm -hmm. plank are out there tweeting and saying about Oklahoma that wasn't happening it just wasn't happening, and no. that's not necessarily a direct shot to Lincoln Riley. It's more a compliment to Brent Venables and this staff. Yeah, and I'm sure Oklahoma State fans were all nice and calm whenever Brad Underwood left for Illinois. <laughs> right. I'm sure, I'm sure you all just weren't uh, necessarily just filled with rage and frustration when that happened, right? It's not just Oklahoma State fans, though, either. It's, it's not just it's, the rivals. It's not Oklahoma State and Texas, though it is Oklahoma State and Texas. It's just that's the national perception is – 
Oklahoma, look at these guys that have just deported. Uh, they've lost Lincoln Riley. Brian Venable's never been a head coach. They're taking a big step back. Okay, well, they might take an immediate step back, but they ain't taking a long-term step back. All right, uh, so anyway, national championship last night. I didn't take anything away from it, uh, positive or negative for Oklahoma, but I did take away from it there is a level that needs to be met if you're going to compete. And But I'll tell you what, um, Stetson Bennett was pretty, pretty special last night. Here's what he had to say. Once I fumbled the ball, I was not going to be the reason we lost this game. But, you know, it's the thing that Coach Smart and the whole team have been preaching the whole year. Resiliency, toughness, composure, connection. I knew that those guys beside me had my back, and I had their back too. Um, yeah. He, by the way, when he says, I wasn't going to be the reason we lost, you came really, really close, dude. If your defense wasn't elite, and if Jameson Williams doesn't get hurt, we might be having a different conversation right now. <laughs> right. Speaking of that, Nick Saban talked about the Jameson Williams injury. He has a knee injury. Um, we won't know the extent of the knee injury until we get an MRI. Uh, he actually wanted to play in the second half, uh, and the medical staff, you know, wouldn't let him, uh, which I think was smart. It's nice to hear a coach after a loss not be like, well, you should have got back in there and played. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, he, uh, it's only your second loss to a former assistant. That's got to suck. We had to lose a national championship. I'd rather lose one to one of the former assistants who sort of did a great job for us and has done a great job with his program and his team. And uh, if any team deserves, they deserve it. They played great all year. Uh, we were the only team to beat them in the SEC championship game. Yeah, and they spent a lot. I mean, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban spent a lot of time together. I mean, you think about it, Smart was with him when he was with Miami. He was with him when he started back at, at Alabama, and he was with him every year at Alabama until he took the head coach's job at Georgia. Will Georgia win another one in the next three years? Yeah, I think they've got – th- how about this? I think they'll play for one. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair hedge. I think they'll play for one. That's, that's me hedging my bet. Right, there you go. That's me buying a few extra points here on this bad boy. All right, real quick, before we break, let me fit Bill in here, um, and then we'll get to the news according to Josh. What's going on, Bill? Oh, Bill. You think that, uh, yeah, you're on you the air. What's OU up, Bill? Do you think OU will, will try to recruit Jackson Dart? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. It makes more sense to him coming to OU instead of West Virginia. Where what's he going to do at West Virginia? But nothing. Well, the thing no. in West Virginia is that's where his offensive coordinator that he signed with and committed to has taken over. So I think these relationships matter a lot in the transfer portal. And that definitely would give him a leg up in the quarterback competition there. They're not going to come out and say that he's the starter at West Virginia, but look, if he goes to West Virginia, he's the starter. Oh, I agree, but what has West Virginia ever done? They have done nothing. They're kind of like OSU, except for this year. Well, and, and let's add to this as well, Bill. He might go there, as Josh has brought up, where he's going to be a starter. He's going to come here, and he's got three guys he's competing with for the job. Oh, well, I agree with that. But I, if you want to play for a, a national for national recognition and everything, uh, you're going to come to Oklahoma. And if you believe in your abilities and think you can go win that competition, then – Sure, you come to Oklahoma because the the Cadillac is pretty nice, 
<laughs> it is a new model Cadillac, and guess what? It doesn't uh, it it doesn't come just by itself. You get some other other toys and vehicles to play with as well. You know, I I say one thing. I'd rather have Brett Venables than the Mule Shoe Weasel any day. I'm glad he left. Yeah, put us in a state of shock the way he left. But I'm glad he's gone. Yep. I appreciate the phone call, Bill. Bill, have a nice morning. Um, it's just, I think True Sooner put it best. It's still the shock when you see a lot of people leaving. It's still, I, I'll see these pictures that they'll post from the the press or the suites at the Rams game, and I'm like, those are all our guys. There's nobody in that picture that wasn't in Oklahoma last year. It's shocking when you see that stuff. How long will we go with Mule Shoe? I'm Weasel. done. I'm done with it. I mean, listen. Me too. I'm, I'm kind of ready to move on too. But this is, it's it's not going away quickly. This is from the Air Comfort Solutions text line from earlier this morning, four zero five six five one three four three nine. This this is like the the new way to refer to Caleb Williams. All right. Okay. Personally, I don't care what Carl Williams or Mario Luigi are doing. OU's going to be just fine. They can go play mediocre ball with Mule Shoe. All right, when we come back, news according to Josh. I mean, even Bob, even Coach Stoops said, all right, y'all, it's time to move on. But if if you missed it, we had it in our firehouse subs, or excuse me, our top five stories of the day yesterday. Roy Williams into the Hall of Fame. It was cool to see the kudos headed his way yesterday. He deserves them all. I love that dude. Maybe we'll see if we can get him on this week. We got to make sure the delay is working, though. Make sure the delay is working. All right, Plank Show, news according to Josh is next. Is it okay to say that maybe you don't have to integrate trying to pull others in to watch when you have a pretty solid audience there? Let me give you a for example before we hit the news. CBS Sports says it's wrapped up the most watched NFL season in years. NFL on CBS games averaged 18 million viewers, up 9% from last year. Wow. The Thanksgiving Day audience for the Raiders-Cowboys game was the most watched NFL regular season game in over 30 years, averaging 40 million viewers. Do you know what the Raiders-Cowboys game didn't have? A stupid video debut to the country. You know, it had a massively elongated pregame show. But still, it's just like, let's go. I I agree it's unnecessary. I will say, though. Go ahead. Listening. I think it's kind of cool. I, I I don't know. I mean, it makes it for a game like that. It is unique, and it does sort of make it feel a little more Super Bowlish to me. But that's just me. I, and I'm probably okay. in the minority. I don't need it, and I would prefer that halftime not be any longer than any other halftime throughout the season. There's a way to still have that with Katy Perry or whichever artist you want. And not make halftime an hour long. It's it is doable. It cha- it literally made me forget a game was going on. It's like at one point you're like, what was I watching? All right, it is time for the news according to Josh. Giddy up! It's time for the news according to Josh. People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. I like to eat ice cream, and I really enjoy a nice pair of slacks. Years later, a doctor will tell me that I have an IQ of 48. All the news that matters to us. What you're about to see is a Channel 4 News exclusive. 
His name is Nutty the Squirrel, and he's three years old. How about that? <laughs> that squirrel can water ski. And hopefully, it matters to you. Now, with the news, here's Josh Helmer. That's me. Let's go. go. Let's go. National, I, I missed the mark there. I was supposed to laugh along or say, <laughs> how about that? But how about that? Uh, college football playoff national championship. Georgia wins last night over Alabama. 20 points that the Dogs scored in the fourth. 33-18 to 18 is the final. Stetson Bennett, pair of touchdown passes in that aforementioned fourth quarter. And again, Georgia, first national championship in 41 years for the Georgia Bulldogs. Now we, uh, as as we like to do, Plank. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It is a tradition on this here very radio show. The odds for next year's national oh champions already are out. Oklahoma fifteen to one odds to uh, win the national championship next season. USC. 20 to 1 odds. And the report I was reading last night, they talked to the director of the Caesar Sportsbook. Right. And basically he said, yeah, those odds reflect the impact that Lincoln Riley will make at USC and the expectation that Caleb Williams is coming to USC. Which, and, and he said, let me see if I can find his quote for you. He said, you know, there's some people that think those are still, you know, too high of odds even with both of those two happenings, but that was why it's 20 to 1 for USC. Uh Alabama is the favorite for next season, followed closely by Georgia and then I think Ohio State was third. Not too shabby as far as numbers are concerned. I just it's January I don't know what is today, the, the 11th it's January the 11th. We have so much off-season still to go, Josh. So much off-season still to go. I, I've i never even really understood putting rankings out this early, or not rankings, I should say, but putting odds out this early unless there's people that find some value in it. It just, there's so much unknown. I don't know how books would take on that kind of risk. There must be minimal amount of, of bets that are put on it, right? Because that's a big risk to put out numbers with this much unknown. Well, outside of the fact that you better put low numbers on Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're safe on that. You're safe on that. All right, where do you want to go next? Oklahoma at 15-1. to 1. Is it impossible that the Sooners win the national championship next season? No, it's not, but not very likely. Yeah, it's going right? to – It's, it's going to, But it's going to draw bets. And I think that they're going to be – I don't think – Let's just enjoy the off season. How about let's enjoy softball? How about that? We yeah, got softball starting, and let's see one, two, three, four weeks. Let's just enjoy that. It's gonna be fine. It's it's gonna be fine, y'all. All right, where you want to go next? Cleveland Browns general manager Andrew Barry saying that he and the Browns fully expect Baker Mayfield to be their starting quarterback in 2022, and quote unquote bounce back after struggling through an injury-plagued season. Well, yeah, because they're not morons like fans on Twitter. They know that his – he was fantastic last year. Fantastic. 
And he's had a rough year this year because, spoiler alert, he's not 100%. He's going to be fine. I hope they bail on him. I do because he's going to go somewhere and ball out. Browns fans are just, gosh, they're nerds. It They act like they've got five championship, five Super Bowl trophies, and this guy's keeping them from getting their sixth. I don't know if I've ever been around a more ungrateful fan base than the Cleveland Browns. Here right. was uh, here was a quote. From Raiders, Andrew by the Barry. way. By the way, the Raiders are a close second to that. Holy smokes, they're so <laughs> ungrateful. It's uh, it's easy to forget at this point of the year what we've seen with Baker over the last several years. We've been with Baker for a long period. We know his work ethic. We know his drive. We've seen him be a talented passer in this league, and we're looking forward to him getting healthy and continue uh, and continue to make improvements. Yeah, quote. he's gonna be fine. He's going to be fine. All right, where do you want to go next? What else uh, should I tell you? Hey, uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Union set to meet on Thursday. That's something that probably, I mean, it's been off our radar, but Major League Baseball. They're in a lockout. Yeah, I mean, sake. they're in a lockout. So, <laughs> Are we going to start the season on time? Hmm. Do you know what if I'm college baseball? Probably not if the owners can have their way. Dude, if I'm college baseball, I'm taking advantage of this to the max. I... I thought college baseball ended last year on a hot college softball too. Just they ended last year on a hot streak, you know, with the Mississippi State winning the national title. There's I, I don't remember more talk about college baseball ever. I'm take advantage of this. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this episode of the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. So during the break, I was just reading Latrell McCutcheon's, and I like Latrell. Uh, we we kind of had a running joke where Latrell would always turn and spit when he was sitting on the top of the bench and he almost got me every time, but I, cause you know me, I'm lingering, I'm looming. So even at the Alamo bowl, one time he turned, he spit and he pointed at me. I'm like, he came close and he's good, good kid. Right. You hope nothing but the best for him. But in some of the, you I, hope he changes his mind, changes reverses his mind. course and stays. I think he's a real, I mean, there was a point where he was on the field a lot early in the season, but in his, in his paragraph at the end, I just I don't know if there's like a copy and paste thing on this, but it says, with all that being said, I will be entering my name into the transfer portal due to the recent staff changes. Right? That, that's that's fine. But then it adds and events happening at the University of Oklahoma. Doing show doing so will help me to explore different schools to ensure that I find the right home for me. So I understand like staff changes, but Events happening at Oklahoma. I think that. I mean, is that, is that like a copy and paste thing? Is that on everyone's "I'm leaving" announcement that they have? No, I don't think so. And, and I, I don't know what that means outside of he's just referring to the staffing changes. I, I know too. In light of recent staff changes, boom, move, move and, the, and because OU's happening. not OU's not brought in a transfer portal defensive back. There's not a corner here. You're getting a. Really, really good cornerbacks coach, and Jay Vlai was coming in from Alabama. I wonder, I, mean, I wonder what his thought process and relationship is with Alex Grinch and Roy Manning and Lincoln Riley. Does he still feel positive about those guys, or has he soured on them? Is he looking somewhere outside of USC? I think he's looking. Well, I mean, did, what his dad had tweeted during the season, as far as the coaching staff is concerned, right? I mean, I there was a moment. There was a moment late in one of the home games, and I'm trying to remember which game it was. I think it was when he got benched. And 
This is Latrell McCutcheon we're talking about. And we mentioned it on the Sooner Radio Network. And well, actually, you know what? It was a game where he didn't play. I think it was like Tech. And he didn't play. And then late in the game, he didn't come in. And with about three minutes to go in the game, Lincoln Riley came. Lincoln Riley didn't talk to defensive players outside. It was like, good job, good job. But he came over and went one-on-one with Latrell. Not in a bad way. Like, put his arm around him, was talking in his ear. So, and that was the... That was a weekend after his dad threw that tweet out there. So I don't know, Josh. I don't know if – I don't know what that relationship is like, and I don't know if USC is on his radar. But, I mean, I think he got a great chance to play here. Um, doesn't seem like that wording is changing his mind, but we'll keep eyes on it. Well, you know who else has eyes all over the transfer portal? Mike Steely. He and Parker Thune are next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. We'll see you tomorrow.